Well, when we were talking about doing this series, and this idea was brought up that it was about being mature in faith, I was a little concerned, because if you know me, you know I'm just not that mature, okay? Last week, Nathan hit on it, if you were here about himself, and, and it's true for me as well. My wife really could tell you the same thing. I tell a lot of really immature jokes. Um, I, I, I like bathroom humor. I, I mean, I'm going to admit that to you, okay? I've got two young boys who also really enjoy bathroom humor, Okay? She could tell you about all the really poor childish decisions I've made. There's a lot of those. It's regular. Particularly when I get around certain people. You may be like this as well. Certain people bring that out. And you, Kevin Smith, the Coleraine campus pastor, he and I are not very mature in meetings. Okay? Recently, Andy Crow, our student pastor, and I and a couple other guys, we decided to go to B-dubs and eat the hottest wing they've got. Um, needless to say, we all didn't feel very well afterwards. Um, we're just not very smart, right? That's, it's not even maturity. It's just not intelligent. Um, it's a miracle we get anything done around here. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know how it happens, but sometimes we just need to grow up, right? Um, we all need that. And so in this series, we've been talking about what's inside of each of us. What are the things developing and growing up inside of us day by day that is flowing out for others to see and benefit from? Now, there's a list of fruits of the, of God, which God's Holy Spirit produces, and it matures in us once we put our faith in Jesus. Now, we shared this with you last week, and Nathan just read it, but let's take a look at it again. And before this series is over, if you didn't already know this passage, I expect you all to know it really well, okay? So here, we're going to read it. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, last week, we started this series kicking off with love. And so we're going to continue this series. I know it's going to maybe be a surprise to you going right in order to joy. We're going to talk about joy today. And ultimately, we want to talk about the, what our big idea for the day is, which is joy grows from the heart of God's love. Joy grows from the heart of God's love. Now, but understand that, though, we've, we've got to unpack what is joy? What is joy? And we sing about joy at Christmas time. We talk about it coming to the world, right? Right, we sing about that. Uh, we talk about joy as though it's happiness on steroids. That's another way of saying joy is a thing. Hey, I'm telling you right now, I was at a baseball game last night, my, my eight-year-old plays at, and two or three of those kids got hits. And it's, it's not real common for them to get a lot of hits right now. When they did it, you could see the joy on their face when they got on base, like it was something that filled them up inside that they were able to do that. I mean, kids really express joy well. What about you? What brings you joy? Is it a place? Is it a person? Maybe a memory that you have that brings you joy? See, the Holy Spirit, it wants to develop in us this mature heart of every believer to a deeper understanding and experience of joy. If joy grows from the heart of God's love, which I really want us to consider today, then what naturally follows is that our definition of joy kind of falls short. They, it leaves us incomplete. Like, those kids can't always get hit. Sometimes they strike out. Actually, a lot of times they strike out, right? And so if they can't get hits all the time, where is their joy? That can't be their joy. If relationships are the things that bring you joy, listen, we lose people. They grow up, they leave our house. Sometimes they betray us. Sometimes friendships come, they go. 
Joy, is it really unstable and inconsistent like that? Circumstances change. Memories that we have, they fade. The joy fades with them. Joy that is in us and complete in us can't be locked in a moment, can it? If the brand of joy we work harder at acquiring necessitates that we have to hold on to something that are not permanent or which change that based upon our circumstance or our mood or our position, we need a new understanding of joy. Joy is more than anything else the result of a decision. A decision to relax in a relationship with a loving God, asking the Holy Spirit to let his pleasure fill your life. And so when the Holy Spirit is not present in your life, it's not the sadness that's the opposite of joy. Listen, you can be sad and still be filled with the joy of the Lord. No, the lack of joy in our life is mourning. Mourning. And not mourning as though there are seasons of mourning, okay? We mourn the loss of people and the loss of things in our lives, and that's okay. God wants to mourn with us. I'm not talking about that kind of mourning. I'm talking about mourning that is never-ending, mourning that is constant, mourning that we mourn the past. We mourn the decision we've made. We mourn that we aren't getting what we want out of life. See, but God calls for each of us to have joy in our lives, to have it overflowing, to be filled with his presence and his spirit. It's a decision to celebrate by gathering with people you love, to sing, to dance, to eat and drink while reflecting on a wonderful God who has given us all these wonderful gifts. Now, last week, Nathan shared this idea as a part of this series, and I think it's important to repeat this idea through this series. One of the series. This is important. He talked about this. These things, these fruit that we're talking about are produced in you. You can't build, work to build them in yourself. Can't work to build them in yourself. They are produced in you by the Holy Spirit. Now we can hear this, and I'm sure some of you are sitting here today or you're listening online, and we're glad you're here with us online as well. And you're asking the question, how does God produce joy in me? There's a few ways I think that the Holy Spirit can do that. And so I want to help understand this. And so I want to share with you an, a narrative that comes from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Now we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. So if you've got your Bible, I'd encourage you to pull that out or a Bible app. You can pull that up there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we want you to have one. Go to the hub after service. It's in the lobby, right in the middle of the lobby. Stop there and we will give you a Bible as a gift from us to you. We want you to be reading that. Now, we don't spend a lot of time in Nehemiah. It's not one that you're regularly hearing in church. It's not like the top 10 Bible books. So I want to give you a little context, a crash course, and what's happening here in the story. Now, in the centuries before Jesus' birth, the Persians, okay, they deported and exiled many of the Jewish people from Jerusalem to Babylon. And Babylon is basically in what would be current-day Iraq or Iran area, okay? And so by the year 445 B.C., Nehemiah, who was a Jewish man who served under the king in Babylon, he asked permission to the king to return to Jerusalem 
to rebuild the ruined city. And so the king gave it to him. God softened his heart and the people were able to return. So when he returned, Nehemiah and and Ezra is another character who we read about in here. He's the prophet of the time. He brought together the people who'd been left behind in the city as well as those who had returned and they rebuilt the city. And so we're going to pick up here in chapter 8, verse 5. And this is after the, the walls had been established and everything had been done. Check out what happens here. It says, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. As he opened it, the, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, and listen, I'm going to stop there because if I read all these names, we will be here a while because I don't know how to pronounce them all. And that's just not something I like spending my time on. Let's just say they've all got hard names, okay? And Levites are just people who were like the spiritual leaders of the time, right? They kept the law and the, and the book and they kept up with all that. But like, seriously, come on now, Nehemiah, I don't need to read all these names. Y'all are just name dropping in here, okay? So we're going to go on, we're going to skip it, okay? And it says, the Levites, they instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. So they're instructing the people. They're saying, hey, these are the, they, these are the law and the customs, and, and they're instructing them, reminding them that the law was given to them by God, okay? But picking back up here in verse 8, it says, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Now, there's a a line in there that that we're going to focus in on just a little bit here, but we're going to talk some other parts here. But the, the reality is that line about joy and strength, we don't really tie joy and strength together, do we? Those are not two characteristics of something that we go, oh, those two things are really tied together well. We don't think of them in the same context. Yet this passage ties them together. It, it, this incredible little phrase, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's one that you may have quoted if you grew up in the church, like you might see it. I like to talk about um, wall art verses. That's when people put up in their house. You probably got that one up. Somebody does. Somebody in here has got that up. If you grew up in church, you probably sang a song like I did in children's church about the joy of the Lord is my strength. And and I'm not going to sing it all because I'm not a good singer. But it means this. It means during tough times... The core of your joy, if you've got joy at all, okay, is going to be in your relationship with God. Our strength in this world actually comes from the joy of the Lord. Not the joy the world promises, not earthly joy, the joy of the Lord. 
Maybe you're a parent, right? You're a mom or a dad, and you've got mom or dad strength. They talk about that. You may have heard of this mom or dad strength stuff when you can do stuff you didn't think you could do physically. But here's the truth. It's limited, right? But the Lord, there's no limit to his strength. Listen, you may have financial resources that are limited, and sometimes they're just not very strong. But the Lord's resources are unlimited and forever strong. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Your health can falter. It might leave you physically weak. It definitely will. The Lord's strength, however, is the perfect and complete strength. Our confidence in God is at times the only strength we can know. So our joy in knowing that no matter what comes our way, whether it's personal hardships for us or our family, or maybe just the routine ups and downs, or maybe even the good times, right? Even in the good times and the bad times, and even the times when we feel like we've got plenty of strength, or in the times when we feel physically exhausted, through it all, we have a relationship with a God whose strength is overwhelming and limitless. Because of that, we can have joy. Joy grows from the heart of God's love. So a few things I want to share with you about joy so that we can experience God's spirit growing up in our lives. The first is this. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is God's basic character. Listen to these words that Jesus shared to his disciples in the book of John. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And this is great. This, Jesus explains to them why he's saying this here. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, joy is inseparable from God's love. Why did Jesus remind his followers that God's love was living inside of them? He did it because he wants us to experience complete and pure joy in that fact. Joy is rooted in God's love for you. Like The reason so much of our culture, and even Christians, right, are oftentimes joyless is because we see God's basic character as something else. Like We see God's character as giving us what we think we deserve, right? Like, I, I deserve relationships and finances and, and a change of circumstances. That's what we see God's character as. And so when those things don't happen, what do we think? God's character maybe is affirming your decisions or your belief or your lifestyle. This is what I want. Why isn't God coming through? And then God's character. Sometimes we see his character as fully vengeful. Now listen, there is some vengeance in God's character. But many of us grow to see that as his total character. So we only see him through that lens, maybe because we've been treated poorly by other believers or because we carry tremendous amount of guilt or shame. See, we are missing out on joy because we're not operating our lives out of God's undying love for us. Second thing that joy means, it means joy is experienced through God's word. Joy is experienced through God's word. You might love your spouse, but here's the thing, you need to love God more. If you're dating, you may love that person that you're in that relationship with, but you need to love God more. 
You might love your career, but you should love God more. As hard as this is to comprehend, and I'm a parent, so I know you may love your kids, but you need to love God more. You'll notice that Ezra and the Levites, they read God's law to the people first. They are reminding the Israelites, right, to understand and follow God's commands. The same is true for each of us. Read your Bible. It's important. Know your Bible. Pray through your Bible. Get absolutely immersed in all things God. Then you know the joy that comes from being so well-grounded in the Word. You might know men and women who are like this, right? They just exude joy. I'm sure you know some. I know some of you are in this room. Actually, I know a few of you are in this room who do this. You exude joy, and at the same time, they are immersed in all things God. That doesn't mean that they're professional ministers or that they've taken theology classes. Nothing like that. It's just that they've put God first. And they've done so for so long that they don't know how to do anything else. Now, that might be a new idea for you, and, and that's okay. Listen, if it is, it's a great day to start that process. Take the lessons that you learn from God and teach them to your children, to your grandchildren, to your nieces, to your nephews, to your neighbors. Teach them to the kids in Grow Zone. Right? Teach them to children because here's the reality. We are the most influential teachers that those kids will ever have. Third thing is this. Joy is unleashed in repentance. We don't often look at repentance and think, oh, that sounds joyful. doesn't. But when the people of Jer in Jerusalem, they heard God's word and his love, it says they wept. They were weeping. Why were they weeping? Because they had been convicted in their hearts that they had been choosing a path for their lives not defined by God and his word. That's what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. It's falling short. It's loving your own desires more than you love God and more than you trust God. You and I need to repent. We need to confess that we've approached God as a means to an end. We have said, if I do this or believe that or follow this path, then God will give me joy. That's what we've done. But here's the reality. It says, he is your joy. He isn't the means to an end. He is the end. Joy is unleashed when we repent of having made him anything other than that. Fourth thing here is joy is a practice. Joy is a practice. Joy isn't, it's something you've got to practice. We talked about it last week, just loving people. Sometimes you've got to love people you don't really want to love, right? You've got to practice loving people when it's hard. And I'm going to say to you, joy doesn't naturally come easy to a lot of people. To most of anyone, we are a pretty grumpy civilization. I mean, be honest. But if you get the hang of joy, it's kind of contagious. You can even infect yourself with joy. It says, in the book of Nehemiah, we get the theory of joy, right? The Levites gave the command, hey, go and be joyful, right? But until the people actually went away and practiced joy, they didn't know it. Verse 12 says, then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them.
See, until they prepared the feast, right, and actually sat down and taste the food, they didn't know how good the feast could be. I've done that with food I've seen, and I'm like, mm, that looks good. And then I sit down, and I'm like, oh, that is good. <laughs> right? Like, you don't know. Sometimes things look really good, and but you don't know how good they are until you taste And Sometimes things look good, and they taste like crap, but that's okay. <laughs> they followed the instructions, right, to celebrate. They got the hang of the songs. We do this with new songs here. Like you'll see Darren do it. We sing them over and over. We get used to them. We need to be like these Israelites who literally practice joy. We've got to practice our joy. This week, I'm going to give you a challenge this week. Every single day, sing. I don't care what your voice sounds like. Sing. Seriously, sing a lot. Find a great worship song or an uplifting song with a positive message of faith or, or just a song that's, you know, not like metal, rock, okay? That would be weird. Um, unless it's Christian. I don't know. I don't know. There's that. Metal Christian. Yeah, there you go. See, metal Christian. We'll do that. Whatever it is, sing it and sing it loud. Sing it in your car, in your shower. Annoy your coworkers. Sing it at the office, right? Here in a little bit, in a few minutes, we're going to sing we're going to sing. Let that joy come out of you. Let it come out. No one cares what you do when you let the joy out. Just do it. Share it with other people around you. Listen, laugh together with your friends and family. Have dinners together. Eat. Share stories that bring smiles to your face. After this service today, we're going to baptize some people, and we celebrate that here. We celebrate that decision they've made. And so we, we always surprise a treat afterwards. We're going to have cookies out in the lobby because we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate. We want to practice joy. Joy is contagious. You want to have so much of the Lord's joy in your life that it splashes onto those around you. You want his love and joy to saturate your life and overflow into the lives of those people that you know and you come in contact with on a daily basis. There's no limit to God's love, and his joy is meant to be shared. Finally, and where we're going to land today, and it is the best place to land, is that only Jesus can complete your joy. Only Jesus can complete your joy. See, God's love for us was so great that he chose to send his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. He wanted to make a way for us to have eternal life. And look what Jesus tells his disciples. That back in John, we read it earlier. Just He says, remain in my love. Remain in my love. And what Jesus' promises does is if you do that, if you remain in his love, then you'll be filled with the joy that Jesus had. Now, the joy that he experienced, and, and the truth is we have a definition of that joy. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that he endured the cross, he scorned shame. He, he put that away for the joy that he endured. And do you know what the joy was that was set before him at that bloody and merciless cross? It was you and me. That's what it was. We literally are the joy of Jesus. He knew his mission. He knew what he had to do to come and seek and save those people who were lost. 
His joy was knowing that he was going to offer us salvation. All of us, not just some of us, all. I mean, do you think he wasn't facing the toughest situation a person could face? He absolutely was. Yet his joy was knowing that, he, that we were going to be all part of his family. Joy grows from the heart of God's love. See, the opposite of joy, the thing that the sinful nature that Satan, right, the enemy, wants to produce in you is mourning. The devil wants to produce in you mourning because you lack joy and trust in God and you seek it from all these other things. He wants you to weep. He wants you to remain there. Nehemiah and Ezra to the people, they said, don't weep. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You see in this story, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah we see that five to 10,000 Israelites return home, but there were so many of them who didn't. Tens of thousands of these people probably heard the invitation home and said, nah, I'm good. They chose to stay in exile to live in their grief and their mourning, to hang on to the past, to hang on to their mistakes, to not trust in the strength that they would receive from God's joy. So when Jesus says we can have his joy, he was reminding each and every one of us that we are invited home and that we can have that same promise. See, his sacrifice paved the way for our full life. And even when things are hard, even when we have dark days, we can hold on to the promise and we can have strength in the joy of God. So make that choice to have full life in Jesus. Surrender your life to him today. Maybe you haven't made that choice. You don't have to have it all figured out. Okay, You don't have to have all the things lined up to understand everything. Just choose to give your life over to him. And maybe you've done that and you're ready. Maybe you haven't ever taken the step to be obedient to God and be baptized. You can do that today too. We've got a couple people who are going to come up in a minute and be baptized. And if you're ready to take that step, we can make that happen for you today. Go back to this door here on my left in the back corner and we'll, we'll set you up today to do that. We've got clothes that you can change into. Don't worry about any of that. Don't skip another day of being obedient and finding the joy that the Lord offers to you. Make a decision to relax in a relationship with a loving God, asking the Holy Spirit to let his pleasure fill your life. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful to be in this place. Lord, we want to be filled with your joy. We want to know the joy of the Lord because it is our strength. Lord, we want to place our eyes upon you, upon the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross all those years ago and realize that your joy was seeing us in your kingdom. And so today, Lord, we lift up those who might be struggling with this decision, who might be saying, I, I, I just want to live in exile. Come home. Lord, just remind them that your home is open, that you've prepared a place for them, and you are ready to greet them at the table. Help them to see that your joy is possible, that it can be attained, and that it is your strength throughout all things. Thank you for Jesus, and we pray all of this in his name. Amen.